0: was running from his brother and he ended up in a place and he saw a vision saw a ladder saw things going up and things coming down this is what he said he said surely this is the house of God and the gate to heaven and he said and I didn't know it. I didn't know well we're not like Jacob God's here and we are aware of it It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord and sense his presence. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Man, we've got people all over the planet right now, and uh, all of our youth are gone, and all of the youth team, and uh, we've got First Church Canada that can't get across the river and we 've still had great attend The first service was powerful there this morning, and I want to thank all of you for coming. I want to thank every parent that 's made the effort for the young your young person, son, daughter, maybe multiple children to be involved with the conference that the young people are in right now and uh, i i I want to thank you for the time you spend the money that you spend to make sure your kids are exposed to something good and nobody's, nobody's getting naked, nobody's smoking dope, nobody's doing dumb stuff. It's just a great weekend for our young people. And I had two great and two of the most amazing encounters I ever had in my life with God are because my mom and dad made me go to a youth event. I didn't want to go, but they made me go and it changed my life. And here I am all these years later. So I want to thank all of you that make the effort for your young people. They have an old saying with hunters. They said, if you take your kid hunting, you won't have to hunt for your kid. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you take your kid to church and get them involved in spiritual things, you won't have to worry at two in the morning, where in the world are may. and if they are gone, you're gonna know they're gonna be around good people. And so we're grateful for that, grateful. We had weddings this week, Jameson and Chelsea were here. They got married, and they're smiling. John and Debbie Sexton are here. Their youngest daughter just got married, so we celebrate with them, and it's great for that to happen. And. Uh, Jensen Franklin was in town this week and wanted Draylen to sing with him. So Jay, what is it? BJ Putnam and Draylen and and Aaron and Tyrone and all the, the a lot of the worship team went there to be it was it was a goner to be invited, but uh these young people did all the music. And so uh that was cool. That was cool. <laughs> that was cool. And uh, Jesus name. So uh thank you for coming when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind so I'm going to teach you something this morning called a suddenly Savior suddenly Savior there are 11 lepers in the Bible that Jesus healed, that we know of, uh, John said there were many other things which he did that if they would have all been written, not even the world could contain the book so i 'm sure there were many other lepers that he healed, but we know of at least eleven i 've seen a leprosy, and i 've smelled it, and you 'll never forget the smell the, the sight. Is horrible enough but the smell is amazing and um, there are several things you should learn from the lepers and Jesus in the Bible number one I don't care how repulsive your problem may be it will never keep Jesus away from you and uh, the next thing is when he does touch you always be grateful always be grateful and uh, I, I I surprise people uh, when I tell them one of my favorite books in the Bible is Leviticus. I never heard anybody say that before, but uh, it is one of my favorite places in the Bible. I like going to places in the Bible that nobody else goes. Uh, the genealogies, there's so much great stuff. and And the scripture said all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it's all profitable for doctrine, reproof. So all of it's good. It's just some of it people read more often than others. And uh, um, you, you won't understand leprosy unless you're familiar with Leviticus. And uh, the first person that Jesus healed of leprosy, he just looked at him and he said, you go tell the priest to offer the gift that Moses commanded. And um that that so I see this leper, you know. If you got leprosy and you go to church, they're gonna they're gonna kill you. <laughs> you uh, they, as one man said, they'll rock you to sleep, and they're big rocks. And uh, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, this guy walks into church, and the the, the pastor's really mad because you can't come to church with leprosy. I mean, you talk about practicing social distancing. These dudes practice social distancing. You get leprosy. You're leaving your wife. You're leaving your kids. You're, le- you're not even. You can't even stay in the city. You got to stay outside of the city. I mean, it, it was bad. And so this guy, look, aren't, aren't you? Didn't I tell you you had leprosy? And he said, Well, uh, I don't have leprosy anymore. And uh, priest starts examining, him. and he said, What? What happened to you? He said, I met Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, you mean that fake from Nazareth? He said, well, all I know is he told me to tell you something. Really? What did he have to say? He said, you're supposed to offer the gift that Moses commanded. Really? Now, now understand this. No Jew has ever been healed of leprosy, F- There's a guy in the Old Testament named Naaman, but he's a Syrian. He's not a Jew. And so I see this guy, you know, back in my library. I got there's one little dusty corner of my books. Uh, Those are my my uh, my notebooks from seminary, from going to Bible college. I don't ever read them. I don't ever look at them. And uh, I don't think I ever have ever since I left years ago. And I think of this preacher going and digging out his Bible school books. What? What? What is that? The gift that Moses commanded. And you go to Leviticus 14 and say, "Hmm, I got to get a pot, and I got to get two identical birds, and then I need to get a a red cord, a scarlet piece of red string. Need I? Need to get a little sprig of an herb called hyssop." And uh, said, let me see, he, he he's never done this before. So he gets one of his pals to hold the pot over running water. So he's holding it over a stream. He takes the head off of one bird, catches the blood of the dead bird in the pot, gets the little hyssop, drags it through the puddle of blood in the bottom of the pot, takes the red string and ties the bloody herb to the foot of the living bird and lets it go. And uh, all, all of I wish I had time to talk to you about what all that means. But we can't get sidetracked with it now. But uh, you're out there in the woods, you know, some of you are going to be deer hunting in a couple of days. And all of a sudden, here's this bird flies up in the limb beside of him. He's got this red string and got this thing hanging on the bottom of it. You going, what is that? That was rare. Matter of fact, this is the first one a preacher has ever had to do. And... Uh, but in, Levitic, in in Luke 17, I mean, he, there's 10 of them. They got leprosy. They've obviously heard about the guy that got healed. And they're begging him, Jesus, have mercy on me. And this is what he said. Go show yourself to the priest. And I'm sure that struck terror into them because they knew <clears throat> you go into that church house And you got leprosy; it's a death sentence. But but listen, listen, listen to this. This is this is so amazing. When he saw them, he said to them, "Go, show yourselves unto the priest." And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. I'm going to take a little license here with these scriptures. I'm going to add my text. And it came to pass as they went, suddenly they were cleansed. They look the same, they feel the same, they smell the same. There's only one thing that's changed: the word has been spoken. And when they obediently respond, see, we want to see a miracle. Jesus told a guy that one time. I, I'm not long ago. I talked to you about that. He goes into one city. And the guy says, you need to come home with me, please. My son's dying. And Jesus said, go thy way, thy son. Li- I'm not coming home with you. Go thy way, the son liveth. And he said, and the man believed the word that was spoken and went home. And when he got home the next day, his boy was healed. And it's very specific. When did he start getting better? Yesterday, about one o'clock in the afternoon. Yesterday at the seventh hour. And, and, and he knew. That's when Jesus spoke. He responded. He responded. Boy's healed. Three weeks later, he comes back to the same town. A soldier, not a Jew. A Roman soldier says, I got a servant that's sick. Jesus does the exact opposite. He said, oh, I'll come home with you. A couple of weeks ago, he said, I ain't coming home with you. Now he tells the soldier, oh, I'll come home with you. And he said, no, no, that's not necessary. He said, just speak the word only like you did three weeks ago, and my servant will be well. And Jesus said, man, the dude figured it out. He said, there was lots of lepers in Israel, but Naaman, Assyrian, he said, there were a lot of widows, but it was, <laughs> he said, this, this, this guy's not a Jew, but he knows who I am. And, and remember what Jesus said to the first guy, the noble one, if you don't see a miracle, if you don't see a sign of wonder, you won't believe. That's the purpose of the whole thing. He speaks the word. You obediently respond then you get the miraculous. We want the miracle before we respond. She said, you gotta see something. Are you willing to go home, not having seen anything? No cell phones, not texting here. Are you willing to go home believing that by my word has been spoken, that's enough? This is the same deal. 10 lepers, go show yourself to the priest. (laughs) Nothing's changed except the word's been spoken. They, as they obey, they respond. They turn around and start heading to church as they went suddenly. <laughs> I like that. A suddenly Savior. Now, I know there are memorial prayers. When you were with Cornelius, said his, his prayers and his arms, his praying and his giving, not just his praying, but his giving, have come up as a memorial before me. I think there are times, I'm so excited about Monday night. I, I, for years, we've pushed for 100 people to be in prayer. Now we've passed that. So now we're going for 200, okay? We'll go for 200. It's just, yeah. listen, you give away cider and donuts and everybody shows up. You have a picnic, a party, everybody shows up. But when you call a prayer meeting, now that's the acid test of a church, Okay. So I invite you to come. It's never been mandatory. Come because you want to. It's called sweet savor offering. Voluntary. But boy, we've been having fun on Monday night prayer. It's been pretty powerful what's going on. And so it just, it just stuns me because uh, listen to this verse, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Now, a lot of people quote this first, but they miss the most important part of it. None of this is going to happen unless you're spending the day with the Lord. Okay? Not just hanging out with your pals. You, have you ever spent a day with the Lord? I, I encourage you. Man, take a, take a Sabbath if you can. I know you've got kids. I know you got jobs. I get it. But uh, some of you are going hunting soon. And it's just get up in the morning... Read your one-year Bible, and on your way to that tree, chasing Bambi's grandpa, you know, get up in that stand and just start praying in your heart. Just spend the day. Don't just hang your hiney up there in that tree, all right? Get something done here. Spend the day with the Lord, okay? This is what it says. There's a place with him that one day can be a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. I got fascinated with submarines years ago, and uh, submarines—they uh, have something called burst transmissions. How do they communicate with with their you know the people back on on land? They 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 have learned to take long messages and they compress them to where they're microseconds. And they, 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 they stick something up in the water and go, boop, and that's it. And that little boop could be thousands of words, but it's compressed. And, and, and so uh, I'm wondering, you know, is it possible for God in one day to do a thousand years worth of stuff? I mean, uh, when, when I think of history... The, the, when you think of the twentieth century, uh, there were a lot. You have got two world wars in the in, in the 1900s. In the 1800s, you have the Civil War, which was horrible because everybody that died was an American. You had brothers fighting brothers, cousins. Every everybody was an American. And, and in the 1700s, you've got the American Revolution. 1600s, you've got Isaac Newton with his apple, Galileo with his telescope. 1500s, Magellan went around the world. Martin Luther nailed 95 complaints on a church door in Germany. 1400s, Columbus. Gutenberg invented movable press so that you could mass produce books. 1300s was the Renaissance. 1200s was Magna Carta. 1,100 was the Crusades. 1,000, the Normans conquered Europe. That's, that's just the cliff notes. There are cabillions of things that I don't even know happened in that 1,000 years, and even if I did, I don't have time to recount it all. I just gave you some of the high points. In a 1,000 years, how in the war is it possible that Jesus can do a thousand years' worth of stuff in one day. Of course it is, and I'll prove it to you. The Old Testament is full of sacrifices. Animal sacrifice. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. they made them aprons out of leaves. God didn't like aprons. He don't like bikinis. He just covered the bare essentials. God made them coats of skins, not leaves, skins, which mean some innocent animal had to die in order to provide a covering that pleased God. You go to Exodus and read about the tabernacle of Moses. 15, from 25 to 40, 15 chapters are dedicated to this Old Testament church house. But then you get into Leviticus and you read about the sacrifices that were made every day in that church house. For years, every day, something's dying on that altar. Read about David. David David becomes king and the first thing he does is say, where where where's the ark of the covenant at? Do, do, see if you, if you read First Samuel, at the be- I think it's the first chapter. If it's not the first, it's right in those opening chapters of First Samuel. The Philistines are gonna win, and so the preacher's kids stole the ark of the covenant from the holy of holies, took it down to the battlefield. It said they shouted till the ground shook. But the next day they lost. And they didn't just lose the battle, they lost the box. The visible manifestation of the glory of God. As a matter of fact, when the preacher heard about the battle, he didn't say, are my boys alive? The first thing he said was, what about the box? And they said, the Philistines took it. He fell backwards, broke his neck. This box is in the land of the Philistines for seven months. In seven months, over 50,000 men die of colon cancer. Finally, they say, maybe God's trying to talk to us. So they took two cows that had just given birth, and they hitched them up to a wagon, put the ark on top of the wagon, and said, now, if these cows go back to the barn where their calves are, we don't have to worry about nothing but that's not what happened. Literally, God overrode their maternal instincts, and they, they ignored the baying of their calves and took the cart back to the land of Israel where it said they were met by these people, Joseph and the Beshemites. They took the lid off of the ark, ate the manna, 53,000 men died. <laughs> because they took the blood covering off of the law. See, if the, the blood that the priests splashed every year was on the, the mercy seat, the lid that covered the box. But when they took the lid off, they took the blood covering off of the law. They were exposed to nothing but the rules without the buffer of the blood. And thousands of people died. And it ended up in this guy's house named Abinadab. And this is what's amazing to me. During the entire dynasty of Saul, the Ark is not in the Holy of Holies. It never goes back, never goes back, never, to the Holy of Holies in the Tabernacle of Moses. It never went back. And the first thing David says is, where's the box? And some guy said, I asked it up in Dab's garage. You know, he's got some mini bikes back there, got an old canoe. Got, put a old tarp over there. It's got some dust on it, but it's still in there. I peeked a while ago. So typical man, put it on a wagon like everybody else did, hits a rut. One of Abinadab's boys reaches up to help God. God's going to fall. I'm going to help. God don't need my help. Ark ain't going to fall in the ditch. Glory ain't coming down. He touches it, wham! He's purple in the road, drooling his cream of wheat out of the side of his mouth. (sighs) You going to do mouth-to-mouth with that? I don't think so. (laughs) Kid's dead in the road. So what? Don't you get... he, He got used to the box. It wasn't revered. It was just some piece of junk in daddy's garage. All of a sudden, this guy named Obed-Edom said, hey, I mean, you're a Jew. He said, I don't want that box. Mm-mm. And this guy named Obed-Edom said, put it in my house. Now, here's what's cool. Obed-Edom is a Gittite, which is a technical term for gath, which means he's a Philistine. He's not a Jew. This is, that's, what, that's what Goliath was. He's a Philistine. He's the enemies of Israel. Put it in his house. Bible says whole house is blessed for three months. You know, corn has one ear on on every stock, one ear. I didn't know that. Well, not not Obed-Edom, he had three ears on each stock. Never had to water his grass, just green. Never washed his car and chariot shining. Cows got twins, sheep have triplets. Dude doesn't floss, gets no cavities. It's amazing. He's getting 32 miles a gallon. Oh, everything's blessed. So David, typical guy, well, maybe, you know, we let's read the instructions. You know? So I said, hmm, get these guys named Kohath, Kohathites, get some sticks, put them through the rings, let these priests bear the ark. You read this. I got it here. 2 Samuel 6 and 13. And David is on his way to Zion. It never went back to Moses' tabernacle. From Zion, it would go to Solomon's temple, but it never went back to the tabernacle. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord six paces, he offered oxen and fatlings. Now, you read it, it's nation's threshing floor. That's where it was when that kid died. And he's going to Zion. As near as I can tell, it's eight miles Every six steps, David said, well, time to offer a sacrifice. And it doesn't say fatling, it said fatlings. There's no scripture that tells us how many sacrifices he made. But every six steps, they're offering animals. And if that, here's the big kahuna. Here's Solomon dedicating his church house. Listen to this verse in 2 Chronicles 7 and 5. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 and 120,000 sheep so that the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. (laughs) This guy offers up 142,000 animals in seven days. You know how many gallons of blood that is? That's, that's, That's swimming pools. You're talking about bunches and bunches and bunches of stuff. But if you are a Bible student, just a cursory student of the Bible, you know that those sacrifices remitted nothing. Nothing's washed away because of the sacrifices in the Old Testament. I know that because in Hebrews 9 it said, If the blood of bulls and goats would have been adequate, you would have never needed the next covenant. I get so, I, I used to preach a message, uh, a sermon from a backslid preacher. You know Solomon referred to himself in Ecclesiastes as the preacher? That's what he called himself. There, there's a famous verse where he said, there's nothing new under the sun. And I've heard people say, nothing new. Oh, you... <laughs> That's a backslid preacher that said that. What do you mean there's nothing new? We got an old covenant. We're fixing to get a new covenant. Thank you, Lord. We had an old priest. Now we're going to get a new high priest. We're going to get a new name. All right. We're going to the new Jerusalem. There's a new promise. Don't you buy into this stuff. It, nothing else is fresh is going to happen. The Bible said his mercies are new Every day. And when you study the Hebrew word, it literally means that the mercy that you are experiencing today is a completely different species than any mercy in the history. Literally, God has the ability every day to give you a different aspect of mercy. Every Every day. That's a good deal, man. <laughs> it's just... It's just, for years, for years, Caterpillar had a bulldozer. And the biggest bulldozer was called the D9. Massive thing. Last year, Caterpillar introduced the D10. Tons of stuff. This giant blade, which is about as wide as this platform, and twice as tall as I am. You drop that blade down in a landfill and it just starts pushing up trash. And if you've ever seen a bulldozer, it's like a wave. That, that, that stuff rolls and keeps on rolling and keeps, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what, I, that's what happened at Genesis. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. God dropped the blade, pow, and started pushing sin. Nothing's washed away. Nothing's done away with, nothing's remitted. It's just pushing it towards one amazing day. Because the Bible said in the book of Ephesians, chapter one, that in the fullness of time he gathered together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven, which are about to come, and which are on earth, which have already come. What does that mean? At you and me. See, we're on the other side of the cross. Did you ever do anything stupid? I have. Did you ever lie? I did. Did you ever steal? I did. Did you ever dishonor your mom and dad? You betcha. I shot off my my, my mouth to my dad one day, 16 years old. Listen, old man, I ain't staying in this house forever. You ain't gonna tell me what to do forever. My dad grabbed me by the shirt, picked me off of my feet with one hand. Said, you're living in my house, driving my car, burning up my gas, eating my groceries. You live in my house, I'm the boss, you got that? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll tell you, do you wanna rebel? Rebel, leave, just leave home. Go find out what to take, get a job, get a five o'clock every morning. Yeah. Pay for your own car payment, your own car insurance, your own tires and oil and gas, rebel. Go get your own apartment. Buy your own groceries. Buy your own clothes. And don't take the dirty ones back to mama to do your underwear. Go down the laundromat, you cheapskate bum. Find out how many quarters it takes. I went to college. My mom said, you got to separate the colors. I remember. It cost me chameleons to do my laundry. I, I separated the black from the blue. I, every color was different. I did a whole load of laundry one time with one pair of socks because you don't mix that color with anything else. I didn't know, I was stupid. Mom always did that for me. There she is right there. My mom still does my shirts. My wife said, I don't do shirts. Take them to the laundromat. My mom said, you ain't taking my baby shirts to the laundromat. You wanna know why my shirts look nice? That's mama. She's been doing this for 40 years, man. I was in college, I had to iron my clothes. I, I wore suits at, at seminary. I, I, wore, I, I ironed my collar and this much of my shirt and these cuffs. I never earned anything else because I knew I wasn't taking my jacket off. That's all you saw, but not my mama, pal. Dude, they're starched. Life is good. You wanna rebel, just leave. Find out how much that God. This is amazing to me. This is incredible. Do you realize what went on here? He died. Let let me play with your mind. The Bible says in Revelation 13, 8, the Lamb, capital L. So we're not just talking about any sheep here. That's the same one John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God. We're talking Jesus here, okay? 13 and 8 of Revelation said the Lamb was slain, watch, from, I know Matthew's got it. See that? From the foundation of the world. Okay, so think of the world like a building. You got a building, but you got to have a footing. You got to have a foundation. Before the world was ever created, there's a plan. There's a foundation. From the foundation of the world, Calvary was planned. Now watch this. This is Ephesians chapter 1. I can't remember what version, but Matthew will find it. And he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation. Before, not from, before. You ever heard the word, word? Logos? John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, word was God, word was God that there's another way to translate word. It's not just word. You can translate it mind, will, or plan. You can say in the beginning was the plan. The plan was with God. Plan was God. God always got a plan. Let me tell you about God. He's never going to be surprised. That's why repentance is so powerful. (laughs) I've seen people, I don't want to repent because if I tell Jesus how bad I am, he won't like me. Do you really, I mean, it's like, so, so I go to repent today, and it's like Jesus goes, oh, shoot, not you, Harold. I can understand Draylon doing that, but not you. You're the pastor, for goodness sakes. I, I was taught all my life, we have the truth. I'm, I'm classic Orthodox Pentecostal. I, I was taught all my life, we have the truth. That means we preach Acts 238. That's what I've taught all my life. That's not accurate. Because the truth is not a doctrinal position. The truth is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. (laughs) Here's my problem with Pentecostal. We're so in love with our doctrine, we don't have a living relationship with Jesus. I got baptized in Jesus' name. And you got an attitude like a side wine and snake. I know Pentecostals that act like seven mother-in-laws moved in with them last week. It's embarrassing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No wonder you're so weak. You don't understand what, the, what is the joy of the Lord anyway? Others. Who for the joy that was set before him. You think he's on the cross smiling? You're nuts. But he something gave him the strength to endure the pain and despise the shame. What was it? On the other side of the cross was you. That's what gave him joy. Ah. We've been taught, you gotta resist the devil. And then I know what it says. It says, submit yourselves. And then you can, don't resist if you're not submitted. Are you submitted? Do you have somebody in your life with veto power? Do you have somebody in your life that has the ability to tell you no? And whether you understand it or not, you say yes sir, yes ma'am. You gotta have people like that in your life, I'm sorry. To a lot of people, I'm their preacher. To some, I'm your pastor. I'm. A- Listen to me, I'm asking you to trust me with the bluest of the blue chips, your eternal soul. Don't you dare trust me just on a whim or because somebody else does. You gotta choose that pastor carefully. Don't go to a church where you don't trust the pastor. You'll lose your kids every time and get bitter in your own spirit. If you don't trust me, get out of here. Run for your life. Come on, you're streetwise. You know whether I'm lying or not. Don't just hear me, feel me. If you think I'm lying, get out of here. Go find you someone you can submit to, but you're gonna have to have submission. It's just a thought. But I think it's in that Bible, Did you get what I'm trying to get get across to you here right now? (laughs) Here's Jesus. All my boys have been girls, okay? It would be like taking my 13-year-old daughter and selling her to a whorehouse. Is that crude enough for you? It'd be like taking one of my precious little girls and giving them to a human trafficker. That's why he's in that garden saying, I don't want to drink that. Why? Because in that cup is every nasty, putrid, filthy thing all the way back to that garden. That big old bulldozer just been pushing it towards that garden. And when he sees the enormity, he, he, he's tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He's pure. And he's being asked, the Bible said he that knew no sin was made sin for us. He ingested that garbage. And he fell across on the cross like he'd never felt before. God forsake it. Where are you? He never felt like that before. But I tell you the other thing that's just as horrible. It wasn't what was just pressing to him from the past. It was you and me in the future with all of our sin. Before you knew him, he loved you. He knew you when you were in the womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. These politicians make me sick. They will abort babies in the third trimester. Come on, folks. Mary meets Elizabeth, they're both pregnant. Mary said, guess what, I'm gonna have a baby. He's gonna be the savior of the world. John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb, which tells me the first person to ever really praise Jesus was an unborn baby. Don't tell me it's just a fetus. Don't tell me it's just a glob of connective tissue. Oh, God. The Bible said hands that shed innocent blood. We, we're so stupid. We'll hug trees, save whales, and we've killed enough babies to populate Canada. You think there ain't a price for that? This world's a mess. I don't know what six, six, six means. I just know the world is sick, sick, sick. That's what I know. And I've thought all my life, we're pre-tribulation, we're getting out of here. But when I study the flood of Noah, there's three kinds of people, all right? There's a guy named Enoch, who represents people who were taken before the flood. There's Noah and his family, they were preserved through the flood. And there's a whole bunch of them that perished in the flood. And that's my view of prophecy. Some people are getting out of here before the bad times start. Some people are going to be spared through it and a lot of them are gonna be perished cause of it. Now, I don't know what all that means. uh, We all wanna say, we're getting out of here before it happens. Well, see, you got Christians on the other side of this planet getting persecuted right now. What did you deserve to be be born in America? What, 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 What did you do to deserve this freedom that we have? Our problem as Americans is we get a perception of things and we think that's how it ought to be. God is not an American. Ah. Look, look, here's Gideon fixing to go in a battle and he sees this giant angel and he says, I better figure out who this is. And he says, whose side are you on? And the angel said, I'm the angel of the Lord. And it's like, I don't answer my question. Whose side are you on? And it comes back again. I'm the angel of the Lord. Translation, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. You get it? I preach to people all over the planet. All right, I preach to Republicans who believe in fiscal accountability. I, believe, I preach to Democrats who want social equality. Listen to me. Jesus is not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He don't ride on the back of donkeys or elephants you got to get that junk out of your mind. God's on our side. Really? God's on the side of what's just. And we're doing stuff in this country that's just flat out wrong. You think there isn't a price to be paid for that? My point is this. I don't know if we're going to be taken before the tribulation or not. That might be the people that died in Christ, the dead in Christ. They may gut out of here before everything happened. We may be expected to go through it. All I know is real soon, we're going to find out which one of these prophecy guys has been telling us the truth. But you better buckle up your chin strap, sweetie pie, because I promise you, something goofy's going on in this planet. The Bible said creation groaneth, yeah. waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And I'm on live stream. I've been told not to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You got all the gays that are screaming about their rights. You got all the lesbians screaming about their rights. Yeah, you got the transgenders. Now you got all this, oh my God, have mercy. This is absolutely nuts what's going on here right now. It's confusion. God's not the author of confusion. <laughs> Listen to me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen. This is what Malachi said. Will the bride come out of her closet? Oh, did you hear about that gay actor? He just came out of the closet. Told everybody he's batting for the other side. And they're all saying, Ooh, isn't that amazing? I'm not here to ask the gays to come out of the closet they already have. I'm not asking for all the lesbians to come out of the closet they already have. I'm asking for the church to get out of that closet and to <laughs> declare themselves and said, I'm a child of the Most High God. And I am... Come on, church! It's time for the church to be ecclesia, the clown-out wardens. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Don't you get it, folks? said he can do 1,000 years in one day. There were 4,000 years of sin before the cross. There's been 2,000 years of sin and after, 6,000 years were compressed into one day. And on Calvary, Jesus did in one day what it took 6,000 years of sinners. A day in thy court is better than a 1,000. What? Anything you want to think of this is a better way to live. I'm almost done. Am I preaching to somebody here today that you that you you dare? You dare sit here and allow the enemy of your soul to try to convince you that you are that one lone individual out of all the seven billion on the planet right now and all the billions that have lived here before you ever showed up, but you are the chosen one. You are the one person that has crossed the line that nobody else could ever cross. You are further away from God than anybody has ever been. You are unreachable, unredeemable, unsavable. I got news for you. Not even the gates of hell will prevail. The scripture said some of them you pluck right out of the fire. Mackie, you ought to be dead. You ought to be dead. Come on. Solve this riddle. Check the box. Satisfy that question. Get in the church. Die in the faith. Don't make me do your funeral, amen, with your life a mess and a disaster. Come on, give me some ammunition that I can tell the enemy, you almost had him, but you lost. I wouldn't hurt you for nothing in the world, but at the the risk of hurting you, I'm reaching out to you. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I'll tell you what the Bible says. I am persuaded. Persuaded means I used to believe something else. But now because of the overwhelming evidence, I can't possibly believe that anymore. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature. If Paul was alive today, this is what he'd say. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing Living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing is going to get between me and the love of Jesus Christ. That gate can't keep the love of God out. I'm preaching to somebody today, you need a suddenly savior you think you're married. I don't care if you've already filed the papers. I don't care if you've already figured out who gets what. Listen to me. Suddenly, if you don't believe God can do something in a moment, you better take Acts 2 and 2 out of that Bible. This Jesus who we serve, can share. the Bible said there's going to be a nation born in a day. Study the history of Israel. Wham! There they were. Look at at Bartimaeus. Bar means son of. Timaeus means blind man. His daddy's blind. He's second generation blind. He's coming through and he's screaming. Jesus, there's only three times in the Bible it says, Jesus, thou son of David. You know what that means? That means I know that you are Messiah. You are David's greater son. So it's not just what he says, it's his revelation of who he knows. See, that's why they said, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. That's what the enemy's trying to do. Shut up. You need to do what Bartimaeus He cried even louder. I know who you are. This, Jesus ain't coming back, pal. He's going through Jericho. He's on his way to the cross. Samaritans are upset at him. They think he's prejudiced. He's ready, face to set like a flint. Don't want nothing to do, not, not like that. He's on the clock. He's on the treadmill. He's got to be there specifically on that day when they're going up to do Passover. He's got to be there on that cross. Stand with me you got a child in trouble maybe you have several children in trouble they call you a granddad or a grandmother and I hope you really are grand or great whatever the case may be but we're in a mess right now we need a suddenly savior we need a lord that can walk in and say get out of here I'm fixing to raise this girl up off this bed he cleaned out Jairus' bedroom that might have been even some of his apostles. You get out of here. You don't believe what I'm fixing to do. Yeah, you're raining on my parade. You're killing faith. Get out of here. Yeah. Rise up. David. And they're all in the living room. Going, I can't believe. And all of a sudden, he comes out with that girl and go, whoa. Too many things go on in church that we can explain. We need stuff to happen that nobody can explain. Ooh. Clap your hands Come with me around an altar. Keep your mask on But come around and order Clap your hands All ye people Shout unto God Behind the mask Trust me he knows you're praising him. He, he He knows Moses had a mask on He still magnified God Amen I don't care if you do get a mask on Don't let the mask muzzle your praise heal the marriage heal the family heal the body forgive the sin clap your hands all ye people and don't just clap shout unto God with the voice of triumph not despair, not worry not fear alright, these people are going to sing sing with them turn your prayer into praise let's see if God will stop right now